0: To Impact Sports Daily, WDBN's daily rundown of all things sports. And welcome back to another episode of Impact Sports Daily. I am your host, Matt Merrifield, joined today with Jacob Phillips. Big weekend of sports news around the country, and we're here to get into it. Starting off in baseball the Tigers started the free agent frenzy going out and signing starting pitcher Eduardo Rodriguez to a five-year, $77 million deal. Jacob, what were your thoughts on the signing?
1: Yeah, I know that there's been a lot of questions about Rodriguez recently, but I think that at the end of the day, the Tigers picked up a veteran pitcher who will really give them a good chance to bolster that you know, offensive edge. I think that they really can do well. And I think Rodriguez is going to do better than a lot of people expect. I know he's kind of coming off of some rough years.
0: Yeah, definitely. His ERA was 4.74 uh, last year, which is not very good as many would expect. But his FIP and his expected ERA were at 3.32 and 3.55, respectively, which is actually very good. And considering the division he played in for his whole career, he's been in Boston. So he's like last year he had to play Toronto multiple times, he had to pitch against the Yankees and the Rays, probably three of the top lineups in baseball or yeah, exact in baseball. So to have to go out there and have to pitch against those teams and to put up those advanced metrics that that that's a, actually had a pretty impressive season. I would say also for the Tigers, this is a friendly deal for them five at five years. It is a $16 million cap hit, but for that, but for now they still have plenty of cap space to go out and get guys, get a guy like Carlos Correa and really bolster their lineup and they're going to have now in five years still have time to go out and sign their young pitchers, right? Mize, Bowl Manning, Torkelson when he's ready in a couple of years, Riley Green, all these top prospects that they have coming up. When it's their time to get their money, they will still have plenty of cap space available to go out and sign these guys.
1: Yeah, and I think this is also a pretty big hit for the Red Sox. You know, it's not that they just let him go. They tried to extend his contract. I think it was $18.4 million, but, uh, he turned it down. He said no, and you know now he's signing with the Tigers, and I think that the Red Sox are going to kind of feel this a little bit.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that starting pitching was an issue for them last year and now losing a very good one of their top-end starters, and Eduardo Rodriguez, is really going to hurt them. And for Eduardo coming into Detroit, he's won a World Series. He's been there before. He's pitched in a lot of big moments. So I think he's really going to help come in and teach the young pitchers like Mize and and Bull next year and Manning to come out and really know what it's like to play winning baseball. So I definitely like the culture that the Tigers starting to build there. And I really think that this signing is, at first, I was not pleased with the signing. I thought that it, I didn't understand it. But honestly, I think that, like you said, uh, Eduardo had offered to get $18 million plus from the Red Sox. So I definitely think that the value the Tigers got him at was a lot better than I expected. So I'm definitely happy, and I think that signing is going to work out for the for uh, for the Tigers. Another big headline, the Rookie of the Year, were rookies of the year for the AL and the NL were both announced yesterday. In the American League, Randy Arena from the Tampa Bay Rays won Rookie of the Year. He obviously made big name, made a big name for himself last year in the 2020 postseason when he set a record for for 10 home runs in a single postseason, which is a record breaking Barry Bonds' record that was set, I believe, in 2002. So he made a name for himself, came back out for his full first full season in the majors hit 274 for 20 home runs and 69 RBIs, had a great season. He was able to beat out Astro starting pitcher Luis Garcia and his teammate, shortstop Wander Franco, in the voting. Those were the two other finalists. And in the NL, Jonathan India from the Cincinnati Reds was, was the NL Rookie of the Year. He had a very similar season to a Rosarena, coming out, hitting 269 with 21 home runs and 69 RBIs. He had a very strong season and what was kind of a surprising season for the Reds, so it was definitely nice to see them come out and have a, such a good season. What were your thoughts on the on the selections?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this was really any surprise. You know, like you said, Orozarena really came out in last year's postseason, made a big name for himself, and I think everyone after his performance in the regular season this year, I think everyone was really expecting him to win Rookie of the Year for the AL. Uh, and I think kind of the same is for India. I think, you know, by the end of the year, I think you really just saw two clear contenders here.
0: Yeah, definitely. India, honestly, probably around the All-Star break, you would not have thought he would have won it. You had guys like Trevor Rogers, who was the final, was the second-place finisher in the voting. He had a great—he was an All-Star for Miami. And you had in the American League, Randy and his teammate Wander Franco, got called up in the middle of June. So I think if Franco had played a full season at the rate he was playing towards the end of the year, he already looks like one of the top shortstops in baseball. So I think Franco definitely could have won it, but I think a Rosarano played a full season, played a great, had a great season, and continued to be a big part of that Rays lineup. So I definitely have no issues with either of the players winning the award. They both had great seasons, and we'll have to see if they can continue their success in the coming years. And, and with the awards being announced last night, we have the MVP and Cy Young awards being announced tomorrow night and Thursday night. Cy Young will be announced Wednesday night. The MVPs will be announced on Thursday night. The finalists for the AL M- for AL Cy Young is Robbie Ray, Garrett Cole, and Lance Lynn. And for the NL, you have Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, and Max Scherzer. Jacob, who do you have for the AL Cy Young?
1: Uh, for the AL Cy Young, uh. I probably have to go with Robbie Ray on this one. I think that, you know, with, um, you know.
0: Robbie Ray, had a he did have a great season. I do think that's a good pick. He led in, I think, most of the major pitching categories, like ERA and strikeouts. So he had definitely had a great season. Um, I think, for me, Garrett Cole might. I had to pick a winner who I think is going to win. I probably have to go with Garrett Cole. Obviously the New York media loves to pick their guy so I, and Cole had a great season, but my I think that Robbie Ray should get, get the award. He had such a great season coming out, kind of surprising a lot of people in his performance and really helping get the get the Blue Jays back into contention this yeah, year.
1: Yeah, and I mean he ended the year with 248 strikeouts, 13-7 record. Uh I also could see Garrett Cole uh helping New York get 16 wins this year. You know, 243 strikeouts. I think, you know, either of those I could definitely see for the AL Cy Young.
0: And for the NL Cy Young, I think it's Corbin Burns. I think Max Scherzer's definitely gonna get a lot of votes, and it's gonna be close. But Corbin Burns had such a dominant year from start to finish. He was just he led the league in ERA with a 2.43 ERA. He was striking out tons of batters, went out and dominated all season long. 234 strikeouts, had a WHIP below one at .94, which is unreal. So I definitely think he's going to be the pick for NL Cy Young.
1: Yeah, and I think, honestly, Max Scherzer would be a little bit be, like higher in my standings if it wasn't for his injuries in the postseason, of course, affecting his stats. So I, I, have, to, I have to agree on with you on this one.
0: Yeah, I definitely think uh, Scherzer had a great season, but I feel that, that Corbin Burns will probably come out and be the NL Cy Young winner. And for AL MVP, the finalists are Vlad Guerrero Jr., Shohei Ohtani, the pitcher and the hitter, and then Marcus Semien from Toronto as well. And then the NL the MVP candidates or finalists are Juan Soto, Fernando Tatís and, and Bryce Harper. I'm sorry, I had a blank for a second. Yeah, Bryce Harper, Juan Soto and Fernando Tatís are the finalists for NL or NL MVP. Who do you think is who is your pick for AL MVP, Jacob?
1: Uh, I've got to go with Ohtani on this one. Out of twenty three starts, he, you know, finishing with a nine two record, and batting with forty six home runs, hundred RBIs, I think it's just incredibly impressive what he was able to do this year.
0: I definitely think that what Otani did this year was very impressive. But my AL MVP pick is still Vlad Guerrero Jr. Came just short of winning the Cy Young, came eight points, bat, eight batting average points short of the uh, batting title, and just I think I believe it was ten RBIs short of the RBI title he he just absolutely raked this year was probably the biggest reason why Toronto was as good as it was this season. He definitely gave them a boost. And Otani, he had a great hitting season, but he did only hit 259. I know his pitching does count, but for a t- he his team wasn't that great. And I do think that a team I do think team success does play into the MVP of a season. So I I would definitely go with uh, Vlad Jr. that doesn't take anything away from the season that Otani had. But I just think Vlad Jr. was the far and away best hitter and the most valuable player to any team in baseball this year. And for NL MVP, I'd have to go with Bryce Harper. I think as soon as he got back from injury this year, he just he was the best. He was arguably the best hitter in baseball. Just absolutely crushing it all season long. And I definitely hitting three oh nine and just had an amazing season. Obviously his home runs and RBIs aren't what you'd expect. Only thirty five home runs, eighty four RBIs. But that's partly due to the fact that he did spend the early part of the season injured if he would have played a full season he'd have 40 plus and 100 plus rbis and have comparable numbers to uh vlad vlad jr
1: yeah i have to i absolutely agree that if it weren't for his injury early in the season i think we would see much even more impressive numbers from bryce harper and i think honestly that's one of the reasons why he's still in the running for MVP. Is everyone kind of realizes you know he started the season out and clearly put up great numbers regardless you know Stealing 13 bases, like you said, uh, 309 hitting. I think it's just, you know, very clear. If he had played a full season, there would be no contest to this.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that Tatis and Soto were definitely cl- are going to be close finalists. Tatis had a great season. Had he played a full season as well, he obviously he had to deal with injuries. He probably would have been in contention. He led the NL in home runs this year, despite missing 30 games. So I definitely think that there's a lot of good candidates, but I still think Bryce Harper will be the one to get the award. Moving on into football, Monday Night Football was on last night. The Niners hosted the Rams, and quite a shocking finish to the game. The Niners rolled the Rams 31-10. to Quite a shocking game. What, were you, what was your take on the game, Jacob?
1: Yeah, I couldn't believe it. You know, and all credit to the 49ers for really using a home field advantage and also taking advantage of, a Rams team that has really had to reorganize a little bit this week. You know, with Robert Woods tearing his ACL in practice, they had to start Odell pretty quickly. And I think that the 49ers took advantage of that. With that being said, though, I still 31-10 to 10 is really impressive. I, I would have not predicted that. Even if I took the Niners to win, I would have only taken it by a possession. Yeah, so. it was def-
0: definitely a surprising game. I think that the Niners have been kind of going under the radar this year, obviously having a rough start to the season. Now they're 4-5 and five with that win. Lost some games that they probably should have. A lot of close games they've lost to good teams. So I definitely think they took some people by surprise, but I think, it's, I think if you actually look at this team, they have a very good roster. Quarterback's probably their biggest issue. Otherwise, they're running backs. They always have great running backs. Elijah Mitchell has stepped up. They have plenty of depth there. Great receivers. Debo Samuel, when he's healthy, he is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Uh, you obviously have Greg Kittle, great O line. Their defense has plenty of talent. Their biggest issue is injuries, and obviously quarterback play has been an issue between Lance and Garoppolo. But I definitely think that this is a, definitely an underrated team, and if they get hot, they're definitely going to be dangerous in the NFC. And for the Rams, obviously it's another it was a, another stinker. You dropped two in a row now on on a, in prime time last week against the Titans, and now with Monday Night Football against the Niners. I have no I have no worries with them. I think that they're still they control a lot of their season. They're definitely going to figure out some kinks with, obviously, Odell joint coming into that offense and Robert Woods leaving the offense trying to get Von Miller acclimated to the defense. So I think once they get adjusted, they're going to be as good as ever, but it's just going to take some time, and you're going to see that in the next couple games.
1: Yeah, I think the 49ers are starting to sort out those two issues. Like you said, it's injuries and then just getting that connection with the quarterback and the rest of the offense. They really have seemed to struggle kind of getting that offensive identity, but I think this game really shows a marker that, they're starting to get there and work through all these problems. And as for the Rams, I think it's a little too early to tell if this is really Odell's failure. I, I think it's definitely too early. Uh, still, a little bit of a questionable, move, questionable move for LA to pick him up. I could have sworn he was going to go somewhere like Green Bay or Seattle with a veteran quarterback in a you know tested uh, system, but. I think this, these past two losses for the Rams really knock them out of the Super Bowl question. I know everyone was going into this season for, after the first few weeks saying the Rams are clearly going to be the biggest Super Bowl contender for the NFC. And after the past two weeks, I think you've seen the Rams really get tested and not being able to take it. So I that's not to say they won't make the Super Bowl. I just think that Clearly, they're no longer going to be the favorites.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think that obviously it looks bad with Odell coming in and they dropped their first game and they don't look very good in his first game back. So it definitely looks like Odell was the issue. I highly doubt it was. I definitely think that the Rams are now, I think the good thing about the NFLs. is, Season so far is that everybody has struggled. Right, Baltimore dropped a game they shouldn't have against Miami. Everybody looks vulnerable. Kansas City does not look like they did the last couple of years. The Rams, who are expected to be great, have their issues. Green Bay has issues. Arizona has issues. Tampa has issues. So all these teams that people try to point to and say, "Yeah, they're contenders," we don't know. Like honestly, I think going into the playoffs in the NFC, there are five teams or six teams that could be that could end up in the Super Bowl. For the AFC. You got teams that are going to miss the playoffs. Like there, right? Obviously, seven teams make the playoffs right now. You have four teams that are sitting outside a playoff picture that I think are very good contenders and could very easily make a Super Bowl. Teams like the Browns, the Bengals are a very strong team. The Colts are a very strong team. The Raiders are sitting out of playoff spots. So I definitely think there's a lot of a lot of talent in this in this league. A lot of um, a lot of close. A lot of, everybody's close. I don't think there's a team that has a clear advantage over the rest of anybody else, and I think that's good for the league, and I definitely think it's going to make it very entertaining to watch these last 10 weeks of the season.
1: Yeah, this is certainly a much different year than what we saw last year. I think last year we saw clear contenders pull away very early, not to, not to say there weren't upsets, but I think you definitely saw cl- teams clearly dominate their divisions and secure playoff spots very early. This year it's really going to come down to the wire. I totally agree. You're going to have these teams beat each other up, especially as we get back into rivalry games and conference games. I think you're really going to see them absolutely beat each other up until we get to playoffs. And then from there, it's going to be even worse. We're going to have upset after upset.
0: Yeah, I do think it's quite interesting how in the AFC, like I said, you have four teams sitting outside a playoff picture that are all very much playoff teams. Whereas in the NFC, you have the wild cards are currently the Rams and the Saints, who are both, I would say, definitely playoff teams. Then you have the Panthers. How are the, the like the, it's just surprising to me that you still see a team like the Panthers, who have struggled mightily the last couple weeks. Their quarterback room is a huge question mark. Obviously, Cam came in for two touchdowns and uh, made it quite the splash on Sunday. So it's definitely you have no idea. You have the Vikings who are right there, the Niners who are right there, the Falcons are in playoff contention still. So I definitely think it's gonna be interesting to see who can get that final spot in the NFC. Because it is quite wide open, you're going to see a team that you're going to say, "Wow, I can't believe they made it." So and I definitely and then when it gets to the playoff time, they're going to have an opportunity to beat somebody that they shouldn't, And I definitely think it's going to make for some interesting football come January.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: And uh, another big news from the NFL, the Lions had their opportunity to win on Sunday, obviously starting season 0 and eight, traveled to Pittsburgh without Big Ben starting for the Steelers, and they tie sixteen to sixteen. Quite, quite the, uh, quite the fitting way for this Lions team to not go 0 and 17 is to tie. What were your thoughts on the Lions' performance Sunday?
1: I really thought that the Lions just look. I'm happy they're not going to go 0 17. They're not going to have a complete, you know, all loss season. But it really, I don't know if it's better or worse that now you've added the first tie of the season. You know, and you had the opportunity with Ben Roethlisberger out on Pittsburgh. You had Mason Rudolph starting for them. And you kind of had this opportunity to take advantage of a Pittsburgh team that, you know, potentially had some disconnects going into it. And I think you still saw Detroit struggle. Uh, Now, I do have to say, Mason Rudolph did put up an impressive performance coming in and starting for the first time this year. And it, it really is just almost a laughable situation seeing this late into the season that you have Detroit and Pittsburgh just put the first tie up on the board.
0: Yeah, I definitely have to say that while the Lions obviously a tie, you could argue it's better than a loss. Some people say like it's people hate tying. I hate I don't think there should be ties in the NFL. I think they need to fix their overtime. But this definitely feels more like a loss than other games for the Lions, right? They went and played the Ravens. They lost on that last second field goal. They played really well in that game. And their loss to Minnesota, similar situation. They were right there, had them. They lost. The Rams game, they went out and played like it was their Super Bowl, and that was a really impressive performance to watch, and it definitely sold you on Matt Campbell. Or Dan Campbell, not Matt Campbell. Dan Campbell as a head coach. But I think this performance combined with their performance against the Eagles, kind of just what has the team just – they lost to the Rams, so they've given up because they there's – Yes, the Steelers are a playoff team, and they're a very good team. But you had two weeks to prepare, and Mason Rudolph was the starting quarterback. Like, I definitely think that the the Lions should have came out with a much better performance. I don't think Goff should have been in. He was clearly injured, and he's, not, and he's already a, low, a lower-tier quarterback in the NFL anyway. So I think that when he's injured, he really can't do much for you, and he didn't. He threw for 115 yards. So I definitely think that David Blau couldn't have been any worse. I think he at least would have provided some sort of deep threat to be able to throw the ball downfield and open up the offense more. So I just it's definitely a disappointing tie. This tie for the Lions, although it's not a loss, it's still a disappointing performance for them.
1: Yeah, I think the worst thing, you know, you look at this and you say, well, at least they didn't lose. But you also have to look at this and say they still cannot win. They try incredibly hard, and the closest they've been able to come is – tying to an injured Pittsburgh even and with TJ Watt getting injured in that game yeah. you still couldn't come out of it with a win so I think there's definitely some questionable things that went on in that game I I agree that they really should have put Blau in
0: yeah definitely a question questionable decision to keep Goff in it just it's just the whole situation for the Lions is questionable obviously no they're not going to win many games this year anyway so it just whether or not they're trying to at least pull out a couple or if they're just truly trying to go for that number one pick. But anyways, let's get into our winners and losers of the weekend in the NFL. Jacob, who is your big winner from the weekend, from all the performances?
1: I think my pick for biggest winner of this weekend was Washington. You go out and you face Tampa Bay reigning Super Bowl champions. They're still dealing with injuries. You know, Antonio Brown and Gronkowski are still out. But Washington has really put up a disappointing season up to this point, really not giving us that defense that we saw last year, especially in the postseason. But they come out and they win anyways, by 10 points no less. I think it was a really impressive showing. Nobody expected them to win. And whoever bet on Washington to win that game walked away from that night with a lot of money in their pocket. That's for sure.
0: Yep, I definitely agree that the Washington performance was very impressive, and for my biggest winner of the weekend, I'd have to go with the New England Patriots, just absolutely waxing the Browns at home. I, I did pick the Browns to win, but I did have a sneaking suspicion that something like this would happen for New England. Obviously, the Browns just blew out the Bengals the week before, so coming in, you know, your hopes are high, probably not as focused as much as they should have been, and I think that this weekend showed that with Mac Jones under center, the Patriots... They're not back to what they were with under Brady. Obviously, Mac Jones is not Tom Brady, but he is that type of quarterback that fits Belichick's system and they can still play like they used to. Cause this looks like a much this looks like an old Patriots team, right? This looks closer to what we saw with Tom Brady under center. And now we're getting Mac Jones who's coming in very right? obviously is a very accurate passer, which is what they need can so I definitely think that they prove that. Yes, Tom Brady's success in Tampa is because of Tom Brady, right? He's a great quarterback, but also Bill Belichick is showing, hey, it wasn't all Tom Brady. I am also a great head coach that now people can't doubt because he's still having success with a new quarterback. I don't think what happened with Cam last year you can really say is fair because Cam's a completely different quarter. He's like a polar opposite quarterback than Tom Brady, not an accurate passer. He's more mobile, than a lot more mobile than Tom Brady, obviously. So he just didn't fit the system. So it's definitely nice to see that the Patriots are still very much in the playoff hunt And it's definitely going to be an interesting way to see how the season unfolds for them.
1: Yeah, I think for the Patriots, I think you had a lot of people talking last year about the Brady-Belichick divorce and talking about how Belichick obviously lost. But I think now that they got rid of Cam Newton and put Mac Jones in, and I think this game really shows that when it comes down to it, Bill Belichick's system works. It just works. And I think it really showed... I know Cleveland's been getting some hate. I know people have been angry at Baker Mayfield, especially now that they just let Odell go and everyone thinking, well, they'll be fine. And to have a, a showing, you know, New England won 45-7, to probably the biggest blowout of the week. And I think it's not really, dis- it, well, it is, it's disappointing for the Browns, but I think there's still plenty of time for them to regroup I just think Belichick went into this game really well organized and thought out on how he him and his team was going to systematically pick apart the browns
0: definitely and then who was your biggest loser of the weekend?
1: My biggest loser for this weekend probably has to go to Arizona or Detroit uh even though Detroit didn't lose it's still it's a tie, and you know we already talked about that. But with a loss, I would have to say Arizona losing 34-10 against the Panthers. You know, Arizona is one of the teams favored to go to the playoffs, and they're still in good playoff shape. I I think dealing with injuries both with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins out, you had to start Colt McCoy, who also got injured in that game. Your offense was just not able to get any kind of momentum going. And Carolina, of course, with Cam Newton looked better. I still don't think it was Cam Newton per se that led that team to victory. I think they really just had a lucky going with just the sheer injuries on Arizona, but, you know, 34 to 10 is really disappointing to see from one of the favored teams this year.
0: Uh, I would definitely say that what their, their performance on Sunday was not great from Arizona. The only reason I wouldn't hold it against them is that because Kyler and Hop did not play. So at that point, what do you, what can you expect to do offensively when you're too big? Well, you're obviously your quarterback and then your biggest weapon aren't available. But yeah, definitely I would have expected more from them, especially at home. But uh, I definitely think that, that that their performance was not the best and they should have kept it closer, I think. But my biggest loser would have to be it's close for me. It's either Atlanta or Denver. I'm gonna go with Denver at home against a Philadelphia team that isn't very good, and you get waxed by 27 or 17. Sorry, they got they lost by 17 at home, 30 to 13. Just not a good performance. Obviously, the Broncos got off to a good start. I don't. I, they're they're five and five. They're still very much in the playoff race, but I don't think that they're that that that's a type of game. If you want to stay in the race, you have to win those games, especially how tight the AFC is this season. So I definitely think that was a very poor performance. Their defense did not show up. Uh, Jalen Hurts was able to run the ball. right. They had Boston Scott and Jordan Howard both able to run the ball for over 80 yards. Hurts had another 50. So you gave up 200 yards of rushing, and you couldn't move the ball yourself. Bridgewater really struggled. The running game struggled. So I definitely think it was just a poor performance at home for the Broncos.
1: Yeah, I think obviously – like you said, that's one of those games that you just you have to win if you want to stay in playoff contention in a highly contested AFC. you know, now, five and five, you're just you gotta win these kinds of games that they're not guaranteed, but you definitely have a clear path to victory and to the playoffs. You just gotta win them,
0: yeah, definitely a game you have to win, especially with all these other competing teams, like the browns, the Raiders, the Colts are all right there with you and you're trying to scrap for a spot. so. Definitely a performance. Would have expected a better performance from the Broncos. Moving on now to college football. The new playoff rankings come out tonight. What do you will you think? Or sorry, do you think there will be any surprises in the new rankings tonight, Jacob?
1: You know, I'm not really sure. Uh, I know looking at how they restructured some of the AP poll, there weren't a whole lot of surprises. Um. So I don't really know if there's really going to be any big surprises. I think Notre Dame is kind of a, a big question mark in terms of ranking. They're nowhere near playoff potential, but just ranking them in general I think is one big question mark in my mind.
0: Yeah, I definitely think that the after the performance we saw from Michigan on Saturday and then Michigan State's performance, it'd be interesting to see where they rank them if they flip-flop them this weekend before the Ohio State matchup or if they just let them stay status quo. I think they will stay – Michigan at seven, or Michigan State at seven, Michigan at six, because I definitely think they'll reward Michigan for going on the road and beating a pretty good, I think, a Penn State team that should be ranked um, at home or on the road at Pappy Valley. So definitely a good win. And then I'm interested to see where they drop Oklahoma to. Obviously, losing by 10 on the road to number 13 Baylor. It's not the worst loss in the world, but they'll definitely drop out of the top 10. So I'm just curious to see where they put them and if there's any shot for them to get back in it. Even that I mean, if they finish twelve and one, with they'll still play Oklahoma State into next week, and then they might get another shot at Baylor or get a second shot at Oklahoma State. So that's two opportunities to beat a top ten team. So I'm wondering if they have, if the door is even open for Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, I think Oklahoma is going to be interesting to look at. I think it'll also be interesting to see whether or not they officially flip Ohio State over Oregon. You know, I think that was one of the biggest questions with how they placed them last week, and I think it'll be really interesting to see. With Ohio State being able to pull off an impressive win, I think that, you know, you, I think it'll be really interesting to see whether or not they act, Ohio State's able to jump over Oregon and take that number three spot.
0: Yeah, definitely. Obviously, teams that will be moving down, most likely AM for their loss at, Oklahoma, at Ole Miss, they'll be moving out. They'll be moving down from 11. Oklahoma will probably drop out of the top 10. A team like Wake Forest will now probably get an opportunity to jump into the top 10. They're at 12 currently. And they beat number 16 NC State over the weekend. So that's definitely a good win for them to help at least get a spot in a New York Six Bowl, playing in the Peach Bowl or somewhere, which would definitely be a huge boost for that program. So I definitely think that there's some some places to, the place to watch tonight will be in the middle tier of the rankings just to see how they format it, because that's where the biggest difference will come in two weeks when we get the final playoff rankings and figure out who's actually going to be in. Because those middle games where certain teams get their slight boost to strength The schedule will definitely make the biggest difference.
1: Yeah, and I think this upcoming weekend in college football is going to be really important to watch. You got Michigan State taking on Ohio State and that having the potential to restructure the playoff rankings. Of course, you have Michigan continuing to fight for one of those spots. And, you know, as always, you've got Cincinnati, uh, That's still going undefeated in the AAC, so I think it'll be really important to watch these next few games this weekend.
0: Yeah, a lot of big games this weekend. Michigan Michigan, or Michigan State, Ohio State is obviously the big name game on on, at noon on Saturday. Wake Forest travels to Clemson. That's definitely a big one. You got um, sorry, you have uh, Oregon travels to Utah on Saturday night. Definitely one to watch. Utah is actually favored in that one definitely quite a few games you have to sit and watch and see where just how the chips are going to fall these last couple weeks. So lots of interesting football coming up. It all starts tonight, actually, on ESPN. Obviously, you have Maxion starting tonight, and it goes through to tomorrow. So definitely lots of college football to watch over the next couple days, and it definitely should be exciting uh, to watch for everybody. So that's going to do it for us today here at Impact. Sports Daily. I, I am your host, Matt Merrifield. I was joined today by Jacob Phillips and hope have a, you have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to Impact Sports Daily. Our thanks to Impact's General Manager, Jeremy Whiting, Station Manager, Amber Kienetsky, and Programming Director, McKenna Lowndes.
1: For more, visit impact89fm.org sports.